Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Media Book Podcast, your weekly wrap-up of us talking about movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us at the Media Boat Podcast. It is episode 421. It is February, y'all, and February has come out swinging. Let me tell you, we have some stuff to get into today. So yeah, let's hop right into it. Yep, we're going to start with the music section. We're going to start the music section with the billboard. Start the billboard with the Hot 100. And the hottest song in the land is... <laughs> you sound like a snake sneezing. Yeah, that's what it is. Hiss by Megan the Stallion. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in at two, Loving on Me by Jack Harlow. At three, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. At four, Lose Control by Teddy Swims. And rounding up your top five, Greedy by Tate McRae. Everything went down and Hiss debuted at number one. Yes, it did. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, at number one is One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, American Dream by 21 Savage. At three, four, All the Dogs by Drake. At four is Stick Season by Noah Kahan. And rounding out your top five, 1989. Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. If you're wondering where those Grammy bumps are, that's next week. Yeah, wait for that one. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases, starting with She Reaches Out to She Reaches Out to She. It just keeps going. Uh, By Chelsea Wolfe. Uh, we also have Harm's Way by Ducks Limited. <laughs> Phaser by Helado Negro. Weird Faith by Maddie Diaz. Yes, that Maddie Diaz. <laughs> and lastly, Venus by Zara Larson. Are you familiar with Maddie Diaz? Did she play stagecoach? That name that... sounds very familiar. She may be, have been at a before. festival you saw. I love Maddie Diaz. I'm really excited for this record. Mm-hmm. She's got also a lot of Zara Larson, lately. not that Larson. No, not that Larson. Also, not that Larson. <laughs> you should uh, let uh, uh, now that uh, the doctor is in her uh, music expansion phase. Uh, she, you should let her know about uh, the new Maddie Diaz record. I think she'd like her. Okay, we're gonna go with Maddie Diaz. But <laughs> before we get to that, yes, we gotta talk about the award show that happened two days ago. Yes, uh, one of the big uh, meteoric things that happened this week was the Grammys. Now, you're probably thinking, usually Grammy discourse isn't that crazy. Well, this year it exploded in a way that I haven't seen it explode in a very long time. Everybody seemed to have an opinion about the uh, show itself, uh, the winners in the show, who should have won, who shouldn't have won, what these people did at the show and didn't do. It was just a Discourse nightmare and has been Everyone for the last was four days. Everyone was nitpicky about the whole night, it felt yeah. like. It feels, I even said four days, but it's only been like two. That's how long yeah, it feels. It feels like it's been a week. 
uh, even though this happened on Sunday. So overall, we were watching this together, uh, but separate. Um, what yes. did you think about the show as a whole? I actually kind of enjoyed most of the performances that I normally yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know what it was about this year specifically compared to previous years, mm -hmm. but the performances were actually good to yeah. watch. Like, I didn't feel like I need to skip any of them. They were very entertaining. Um, Even Luke then, Combs. They yeah. somehow, because just the fact that Tracy Chapman was there and being Tracy Chapman, it distracted everyone from the fact that Luke Combs was also on stage. That's the one that I keep like playing over yeah. in my head, too. Right? It's also just a good song. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Everybody loves Fast Car. Yep. Uh, the other one was uh, Dua Lipa in yeah. the steel cage being <laughs> rolled around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, hey, SZA performed as well. Yeah, I mean, plenty plenty of memorable performances. That SZA one was fun. Got her beating mm -hmm. up thugs in an alley. Yep. And of course, you know, the moment that I think a lot of people came across like as kind of a legendary Grammy moment. Uh, Joni Mitchell returning to the stage, age 80. Uh, delivering both sides now like no time has passed. It was just a beautiful moment. Everybody was just wrapped for like the whole time that that song was playing and she was just it was just in awe. It was like we were all just in awe of her. Uh, it was kind of a crazy moment that you don't really get on modern Grammys and it was cool to experience it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean Miley Cyrus was good on it too. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo doing Vampire. Yeah, yeah, that was great. great. Uh, just all the cuts to Taylor Swift singing to every song, just great. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many as the VMAs. Uh, the cameraman, I, uh, uh, the camera people in this uh, telecast were a little better, I think, than previous award shows have been. And plus, she brought a fan just in case she needed to say something and didn't want her lips to be red. <laughs> uh, that was like the first thing that happened is like yeah. catchwords is just over there the fan covering everything yeah I didn't even realize that until until Christy pointed out she was like oh I bet that's because people keep lip reading her I'm just like oh my god I bet you're right mm -hmm. thinks of everything although people were also commenting on the outfit of course always of course. as they do, they do. Um, but so, hey awards yeah so we out. go from the performances then to the winners um, so we didn't exactly whiff it, but we didn't. We weren't as good at predicting we them didn't as we thought. Whiff we it, were. but we also no. weren't with it. You know, uh, we got a lot of them big four wrong. Is ultimately what happened. Um, I think we underestimated uh, Miley Cyrus's night, and we underestimated Billie Eilish's night. Well, uh, we mentioned coming into it from the last podcast that, or uh, was it last the last podcast or when the uh, nominations came out that. Yeah. Every one of the big four awards were previously Grammy winners, not just mm -hmm. nominated, Grammy winners. So there was some precedent of who would they award it to, who yeah. would be the top Grammy dog to get it all. And ultimately, the answer was no one, yeah. because they gave out to everyone. Weirdly uh, enough, the uh, the per artist with the most Grammys was somebody that, uh, surprise, surprise, was part of a group. Phoebe Bridgers came out of the night being the the biggest winner of the night with four total Grammys, three from Boy Genius's wins, and one from the duet she did with SZA, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. <laughs> no, so but as for the big four awards, yeah. 
Billie Eilish won for the Barbie song, What Was I Made, made For? Yeah. For Song of the Year, which is for songwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria Monet won for Best New Artist. Yeah. Miley Cyrus won for Record of the Year for Flowers. Mm-hmm. And then Taylor Swift won Album of the Year for Midnight's, which I don't think she even expected to win. No, I don't think so. Uh, but it is, we'll talk more about Taylor uh, later. Uh, but yeah, real briefly, this is a record, of course, as we talked about before. Uh, this is the fourth time she's won Album of the Year, which means she has now won more Album of the Year trophies than any other artist. Uh, she was tied uh, with a few artists at three, and now with four, she has the record. Uh, no one else has done that. And so that's Fearless, 1989, Folklore, and now Midnight's. Uh, again, we'll get to Taylor a little bit more in a second. But before we move on to Taylor, I want to talk about Billy and uh, 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 Miley's wins. So, ostensibly, Song of the Year is for songwriting. Um, do you think that the songwriting in What Was I Made For is the best of the category here like do you think it really earns this here i don't as a song writing in a in like a vacuum no mm. but i think because it's kind of a dual purpose of both for the barbie film uh-huh. and for billy's life of where it currently is i think that's why that there's a lot of dual meetings within the songwriting within the song itself yeah that i think might have tipped the scales intentional yeah. or not it could have also the, yeah. the ubiquity of the barbie soundtrack probably helped a little bit also that song really works well in the film um mm-hmm. i think for me listening outside of the movie it loses some of that power for me uh but in the context of the movie it's extremely moving and it really really works um so in the context of the music video it works as well because yeah, it's made for it pun intended ah, ah. Uh, the other side, Flowers winning for Record of the Year. I do not get it. Help me out here. Because for the first time, actually, for the article that I did on the site, you can go to mediaboatpodcast.com to see uh, this. But I listened to all of the Album of the Year nominees. And so that means I listened to the entirety of Miley Cyrus's Endless Summer Vacation. And um, I had only heard Flowers on the radio prior to this. So I hadn't really heard the production in like, you know, a higher fidelity, you could say. After doing so, I don't get this win at all. It is barely produced. There is such a like a bare bones construction behind this song. The song is catchy. Sure, I'll give it that. But for a production award, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure. Is this a less is more situation that you think? It feels Or is this just, hey, we all like Miley Cyrus. (laughs) We don't know which is going to be nominated again. There's an argument that I saw this before the awards happened that there's an argument some people are making is like, no, this is the opportunity for the Academy to give Miley, no pun intended, her flowers for her, you know, career as Mm -hmm. opposed to just this song. But I don't know. And I wrote about a little bit of this in my write up for the album. But yeah, but we've seen similar like awards being given in other award shows similar things but this is just this whole miley era just feels very manufactured to me and i know i'm gonna get in trouble because already i see a lot of people on the internet being like oh no this is great but i just don't i don't get it it feels like she made a record and made a song in order to get a grammy and it worked that's how it feels to me 
And yes, Miley, Miley Hive, get at me. I, you could yell at me all you want, but uh, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Also, I don't get why she felt like she needed to look like Tina Turner. Uh, the, the whole look. Only on the red carpet, though. <laughs> yeah, none of it worked for me. I was just like, yeah, I, I think no you had three or four different like wardrobe changes over the yeah. night. Yeah, and all the 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 cavalier way she did the acceptance speeches rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. It did the whole night. I was thinking she feels too perf like performative. She feels like she's putting on an act here. I want it. Who is the real Miley Cyrus? Who knows? I can't tell. Anymore? I mean, it feels I like no they idea. told her ahead of time you're gonna win the award or something. There was just like a calmness that I that bugged me. Right. I don't know. I mean, Maybe you could say gonna... the same thing about Taylor, but again, I'll we'll say let, let's. I'll say you want to say wait right now because Taylor yeah. had the exact opposite reaction to yeah. her wins. So okay, so yes, uh, Taylor's win for album of the year is what is also kind of the the spark that lit okay, the fire. Wait. It seems like sorry, yeah. But before we get to the whole Taylor, I know I teed you up to go there, but yeah. before we do that, <laughs> can we pivot real quick and talk about Jay-Z's award? <laughs> that was weird, right? I feel like right. that was one of the weirdest moments of the night. Uh, they gave Jay-Z some sort of Dr. Dre... Uh, global which, Impact Award. Global Impact thing. Which, one, why are we naming an award after Dr. Dre? And two... Who's not dead? Also, one is alive, and two has some um, uh, questionable allegations on his name. Um, and then two, why are we giving it to Jay Z and not really explaining why we're giving it to Jay Z? Mm -hmm. And then yeah, then he took his, uh, the opportunity of his speech to uh, mostly talk about how he doesn't like the Grammys, um, including how they've snubbed Beyonce, his wife, of course. Um, Mostly like how the, he doesn't like award shows in general yeah. because music is subjective. Right. It just seemed, it was a weird moment. So yeah, he spent a lot of time talking about how Beyonce should have won album of the year several times and also made the statement that he doesn't believe that everybody in the category should be there. <laughs> and it really, it made Christy and I kind of try to figure out who he was talking about. We're like, well, he's friends with this person. I don't know if he's friends with them. Like, who's he talking about here? Well, like, see, I took that as when they put Beyonce in the electro pop category oh, for Renaissance, and not as year, other people yeah. in her category. Right, last of year, like R and B, yeah. It's possible. I don't know. I thought he was talking about that night's album of the year category, but I don't know. Regardless, it was weird. It was awkward. Uh, his daughter, uh, him and Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy, just kind of stood there and stared at him, which was kind of weird. Well, no, no, Blue Ivy was on stage. Beyonce sitting down. No, that's what I'm saying. Is Blue Ivy was on stage, but also just kind of stood there and stared at him the whole time. Yeah. It was weird. Like, I understand. Well, what what would you expect? She's like, it's my dad. Yeah, but like this, I don't know. Just something weird. Something weird about that whole thing. Okay. Now let's talk about Taylor. So uh, I guess if we're going in chronological order, uh, she won for Best Pop Vocal Album uh, for yes. Midnight's first before the big award later. Uh, that's when she announced her new record. Everybody, surprise, surprise. It's not Reputation Taylor's version. It's not even Debut's Taylor's version being announced next. It's, it's not a Taylor's version. <laughs> 11th proper record um, called The Tortured Poets Department. We'll come back to that. Before yes. we talk about that, 
Um, we, uh, yeah, the, the album the year win has really, um, gotten the ball rolling. I think about it really brought out the anti Taylor squad. Um, all of a sudden it's 2016 all over again, and it just took one award for this to happen. What do you think changed? For people to hate Taylor? Yeah, all of a sudden, come out of the woodwork. Or do you think this is a boiling pot that finally boiled over with all the NFL stuff, with all the, you know, like just being center of attention in every single like quadrant of culture? Do you think people are just fed up? I yeah, I think like you, like you said, it's 2016 all over again when Taylor was at a high of high after uh, 1989. Yeah, and that people are just like, okay, we get it, you're successful. Can we move on? You're like, we get it. The Chiefs, you're successful. Can we move on? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and yeah, it, I think it, it's, it's, like... just, it's just the circle. It's the circle of fame that one, like you're at the high of high, yeah. and then all of a sudden you, you know it's going to come. It's going to come crashing down. You get a low of low, and then you come right back up. You get high of high, and then you get low of low. You so, never stay yeah. high for very long. Right. There's only one tiny speck. That is the highest of the loop before you go <laughs> drop back down. Now, I want to be clear. We didn't obviously pick Midnight's for our picks. Uh, we were hoping other albums would win. And yeah, so I get the people who are, you know, trying to do this comparison game. Yeah, but didn't we award Midnight's album of the year our... 2022 yes. when we it came did. out in October 2022? We did. That's true. Uh, but we're not so It was our album now. of the year. Yeah, just not our Grammy pick. Yeah, but I'm this year. I'm saying that for the purposes of this award show. Um, but yeah, um, it's just interesting how people are very like very quick to just say, well, because this other album is is better and should have won, like that means Midnight's is trash. I saw a lot of like revisionist history of people all of a sudden hating on Midnight's out of nowhere, and I'm like, wait. I thought we liked this. Well, where is this coming from? <laughs> What's going on? What what happened? Uh, now, yeah, obviously, I agree with a lot of people. I do think SZA, SZA should have won for SOS. It's, uh, in my opinion, a better record, probably, at the end of the day. Um, it's a more interesting record. I think it has more to say. Uh, I think it's better produced. Uh, and I think SZA is due uh, to receive that kind of um, that treatment. And it does go back to Jay-Z. The, the 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 truth in Jay-Z's speech, which is that, yeah, the Academy does have a habit of ignoring Black women in that category. Um, it's unfortunate, and yeah, we could have seen a correction this year, and we didn't. And so, yeah, I see a lot of people, probably this is their fuel for getting angry. But I wrote a bit about this on the site, but like I feel like we need to differentiate uh, between saying this record should have won over this record without resorting to that means that this record that actually one is terrible is the worst thing in the world. I feel like it's okay to like multiple things. You don't have to pick a side here. You can acknowledge that what Midnight's does right while also acknowledging that maybe it shouldn't be album of the year at the Grammys. I think that's fine. Just, it's just amazing. Again, how many times that people on the internet are so adamant about well, no, it's black or white. You have to do this or this, and that's there's no nuance and context in the middle. It's which camp are you in? Which which right. artists are you backing? Yeah. It's well, this album wasn't as good as their previous work, or right. this album is better than their previous work. Therefore, <laughs> right. they should win. 
Like yeah. they made the, the challenges, they made the steps, they made the progress. Not they're both good in their own right. Right. It's just it's been wild to to watch everybody completely reverse. And it's now the wild is not going to stop uh, for two reasons. One, we have the Super Bowl next week. Apparently, Taylor, against some sort of logic, is going to try to make it to the game after her show. I don't know how she's going to do it. Um, police motorcade. I also, mean, private jet flying yeah, private faster jet, than yeah. it should. That faster than it should. Yeah. Um, although, then again, no one on Twitter will be able to tell you about that jet anymore if she gets her legal way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that news today. No. So there yeah, was a, stop the tracker? The jet there's tracker? An, yeah, there's an account that's a jet tracker for uh, Taylor, similar to the one that tracks Elon, uh, Elon Musk's jet. Yeah. And it was basically to track her carbon emissions. <laughs> Yeah, say what you will about Taylor. Yeah, maybe she should think about this a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, she. All I'm saying is, Travis team... didn't show up for this night. Why should she show up for his biggest night? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, I think it's because he's a, he's a little busy right now. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's in a little training season. Yes, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, uh, so she. What was I in the middle of saying? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I don't know. Somehow she's gonna get there. I don't know how uh but she plans uh, on doing that the uh japanese embassy put out a statement saying that they would make sure to get her to the super bowl on time it's ridiculous but um anyway so uh the, then of course then we have the announcement of the new record which brings us back to that which has a release date of april 19th as i mentioned it's called the tortured poets department uh, she went on her social media accounts and uh, showed the cover art for it, as well as later in uh, the next day, a track list. So we now know um, that it seems to be split into four sides, hinting at maybe this is a double album. Um, and also, uh, we know that there are two guest spots, which I could have never saw these coming. Her The opening track, is which is called... Fortnite, not the video game, mm-hmm. uh, features Post Malone. Yeah, uh, that Post Malone. And a song later in the album called Florida! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, features Florence and the Machine. Yeah, not just Florence, but the whole band as well. Uh, uh, and no, yeah, why is it called Florida? Is that a good Florida or a bad Florida? I saw a Swifty point this out uh, that apparently the night, the first night after the or after the Joe Alwyn breakup, yeah, was in Florida. The two eras tour took place in Florida, so people uh, think that it's about how she felt immediately after the breakup. It seems like this is a breakup record. As it seems to be all evidence seems to point that way. The track names, you know, include one called So Long London, which again That's implies track five, right? Of which the is the album. track five. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of the material is Taylor's experience breaking with her breakup with Joe Alwyn. I mean, you have a song lyric top, My Boy Only Breaks His Favorite Toys. Right. So also the name itself seems to be a reference to Alwyn. I don't know if you saw this bit. But there was an interview in, that Joe did, uh, that which he said that he has a group chat with his guy friends that was called the Tortured Men's Club, and so I this is a reference this. to that, to that, to that, yeah, 
side chat. It's it's ta it's Taylor getting back at her, getting back at him, I guess, in a way for having a secret chat without her. It's fascinating. I don't know. Uh, the weird thing is, is Jack Antonoff was apparently part of that chat, and she still works with him. <laughs> and so, yeah, I can't imagine what he has told her. <laughs> Didn't she drag Jack Antonoff on stage with her? I mean, seems like yeah, she dragged both her, him and um, and Lana, Lana Del Rey yes. to accept the Album of the Year award, uh, which is fascinating. Anyway. That's probably all we have to talk about, Taylor, today. I don't know. Are you excited for interested in what Tortured Poets Department might be? What do you think it's gonna sound like? Like, do you think it's pop? I mean, do it does sound like a breakup album based off the tracks. Yeah. We don't have that much longer to wait for it. Yeah. Apparently, she's been in working on this album for two years. Yeah, which seems weird, but when you think about it, she probably already had to have Midnight's in the can well before October of 22. So mm -hmm. if you think about it, she could have been done with it quarter one of 2022 which means that would have been four years to current or no sorry two years to current two years so yeah. so yeah i believe it the timeline matches up to me uh last thing did you see that she put this out like the track list because someone leaked it yes prior I saw to the on TikTok? First, actually and i thought it was fake because mostly because of those uh guest spots i was like there's no way and also some of the names, I was just like, this is ridiculous. They're, like, there's there's some almost borderline parodies in these song titles here. It's like, of course, Taylor Swift would have a song called I Can Fix Him, parentheses, I Really Can. <laughs> it just, it seems just so over the top. And I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what this thing is. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't, I mean, yes. Do we declare this our album of the year already? I think it's too early to call. You're but right, also, because we also yes, learned something else early we also uh, that night, There's too. a new uh, Casey Musgraves album coming. Uh, she trick, uh, uh, like basically surprised us all with an ad that seems to hint toward new music. And sure enough, she put on her website a pre-order where you can buy said album, which does not have a name yet. So, it's KC5 uh, currently. That's her fifth record. So, yeah, it turns out. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear uh, more. The snippet of a new song that we got in the ad sounded really good. So, oh, fingers crossed. That could be, maybe that could be better than Taylor's. We'll find out. Wait, the KC5, no, I got that wrong. KM5, sorry. K yeah, KC. Yeah. We're just thinking about the Chiefs. We'll get there later. We'll get there. Yeah. Well, we're on Taylor, so, you know, Taylor, KC, yep. Chiefs. But, yeah, that's the Grammys. And that was the Taylor stuff, and... Whew, still recovering. Uh, yeah, that was only in two days, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the the suddenness of releasing the track list was um, probably the most shocking thing following the aftermath of the Grammys. Yeah. Uh, well, that and just seeing the entire discourse basically <laughs> turn on Taylor like in yeah. that night. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what that is about come April 19th. In the meantime, did you listen to anything meantime. else? Uh, not much. Kind of uh, just waiting for more stuff to come out, I suppose. All right. Well, then let's move on into video games, where we start with new releases. Indeed, including Hell Divers Two for the PC and the PS Five. Whoa, long colon Fallen Dynasty. Complete edition for everything but the Switch. Yep. And lastly, game that came out 
today. You don't have to wait for Friday. You can play that today, right now, on the PS4 and PS5, because it's part of the PS Plus package. Yep. Foam Stars. All this right, is you, the you, um, Splatoon-like yeah. game where you're using foam instead of paint, and you move faster in your own foam. Did you so, get a chance to check this out today yet? No, but I did download it, so maybe right, I'll so play some today and may, or tonight. I may play some over the course of the week, but I'll have my thoughts on that next week. All righty, cool. All right, and let's move <laughs> right into video game news where we Ooh, start with PlayStation and no. Xbox. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. We'll Read get the to story. It. All right, uh, so Microsoft will share details about its, quote, vision of the future of Xbox next week, though. Uh, this follows reports that the company has decided to release more of its games on rival platforms. Over the weekend, it was claimed that Bethesda's Starfield and its upcoming Indiana Jones and The Great Circle would be released for PS5 in addition to previously rumored Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves ports for Sony's console and Nintendo Switch. And Monday, it was claimed that Microsoft is considering bringing the Gears of War franchise to PlayStation as well. With speculation about a new strategy for the Xbox business mounting, Microsoft's Head of Gaming released a statement on Monday telling fans that more will become clear next week. So Phil Spencer went on uh, Twitter X and wrote, quote, We're listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update event for next week where we look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. Close quote. So, this started as a rumor, and I think we even talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, where enough people had gathered resources basically saying, hey, Microsoft, like Xbox is going to start putting these things on other platforms. Uh, so, what changed is, is that they became, they stopped being rumor stories and they started being reported stories apparently people started basically saying on the record yes this is happening it started uh, and, with the starfield that's the first yes. one that i saw that starfield is yes. coming to ps5 and then the real kicker for me was is that there was some assets that people found within the new update for hi-fi rush that had t-shirts in-game t-shirts for uh for chai uh that had sony and nintendo like references on them uh, one was a red shirt that said, I think, play anywhere or something like that, or rock anywhere or something like that. And then the the blue one for PlayStation had uh, Chai in a cloud from Final Fantasy VII pose. Uh, and so a lot of people were like, well, this just this is obvious at this point. This is happening. This is really going to be a thing. And then, as the story says, then on Monday we heard about Gears of War uh, might be the next Gears of War game might be multi-platform. So yeah, it just seems like all signs point to this is a thing that's happening. So I thought that this was going to be like, everybody was going to get this news and be like, all right, cool. Boy, was I wrong. 
what happened was is that you have an entire quadrant of the internet that have somehow attached their entire like like personality to the Xbox brand, and all of a sudden are using language like, "Oh, they gave up." Oh, they're surrendering. Oh, this is like going to end competition in the game space and all this stuff, so on, so on. And I just, I am baffled. <laughs> I am confused. <laughs> I've been watching this industry for one in one way or another since I was eight years old. <laughs> and this is the first time I've seen something that just this ridiculous little reaction, this ridiculous. I was around when Sega dropped off, dropped out of the games business, stopped making consoles, and decided to be a third-party publisher for other consoles. This feels weirder than that. I feel like there are people who seem personally hurt by a decision like this. And I just don't get it, especially when we don't even know what's actually happening yet. I think people would fine with Starfield. Going multi-platform, I think people were fine with Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves going multi-platform. <laughs> I think they were fine with that because those are relatively newer games, <laughs> even though they bought Bethesda right. and Zenimax and figured like, oh, we get to keep these for us now. Like they've claimed them as a team, their team for Xbox. Like this is our stuff. This is our brand. This is our toys. And I think what broke people was the Gears of War news that it was their toy it was their franchise it was their thing that they could tie to say we are xbox we are here's <laughs> a war we are halo we are our own like identity oh separate from nintendo and separate from sony but i think the question we all need to ask ourselves is is that relevant anymore is that a thing that we need to do when you think uh, about other media me, in yeah, other for art me, forms. That kind of like discourse for me yeah. ended when Bungie became a Sony developer. And like with like Destiny going straight to the PlayStation, I was like, oh, so and then well it was that, and then it was also Activision and Crash Bandicoot no longer producing stuff for just the PlayStation and the yeah. IP for both. I was like, well that happened a long time ago. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I'm not putting them on the same platform, I'm putting it as like <laughs> like oh, like the like little pops of like oh like yeah. this no longer matters this no longer I, cares like it's no longer a time entity and then like the main dagger would be for when uh playstation studios was announced and started doing pc ports mm -hmm. and it was like yeah okay they, they, so someone just wants to put it on everything then they just right. want the money they don't care where it comes from and that's the crazy thing the thing with xbox that... here though yeah i feel like we're having we already had this conversation it just mm -hmm. feels like this endless echo chamber right where like every time a like a, a one of these console manufacturers say something like oh well we're putting it on PCs to get to more users or Microsoft saying we want to put Game Pass on every platform, this was always what was going to happen. Uh, this was what's going to this. So I always see where I trace this Microsoft decision back to is the Xbox One. So you know they had the 360, they were right and high. Mm -hmm. They had the best generation of their history so far with the 360. They kind of beat Sony at their own game, proved that the PlayStation 3 was flawed and put out a system, which was also flawed, in fact. I mean, coming off of the PlayStation 2, which is the best selling <laughs> console of all time, right. yes, you're not going to reach those numbers again. But at the same time, though, they go into the Xbox One thinking that, oh, it's going to happen again. 
but they make the bets on the wrong things. They try to make a multimedia box, but nobody wanted it. They scare everybody away, and all of a sudden, they hand it back to uh, to Sony. And I think that that Which is, is the whole, big domino. If it's also hilarious at, to think about right yeah. now because right. we use consoles as multimedia boxes now. They were just ahead of the game there. Trust me, there's something that 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 is a truth about Xbox's boxes ever since the one, which yeah. is they've gotten all of this shit right, but they don't have the games to support it. The boxes mm-hmm. are always the best boxes in each of these generation, but Sony has just kicked their ass now two times like twice in a row. They just can't they just can't figure it out. They can't get the games out fast enough. And so I see it as a domino effect. Where the big domino, where the, like the tiny domino over here was the Xbox One, and then everything after that was just is leading towards this moment. If you, I don't understand. One of the reasons why I don't understand why people are so surprised by this is if you've been paying attention to anything Xbox as a division or Phil Spencer as a person has been saying for the last decade, this has been a long time coming. You've had so many quotes from Phil Spencer about. We don't believe that these games should be tied to one platform anymore. We want Game Pass on every service. We want, we believe in cloud streaming that you can do on your phone or your TV or anywhere. They have been cultivating a Xbox landscape that isn't based on the box. I remember people being kind of surprised when they announced the Series X and S because at the time people didn't even think that Microsoft was going to put out another box. People were convinced, like, well, they don't need to anymore. They're going to put out a, a under the TV streaming thing, and you're just going to get it. The fact that the X and S even exist is kind of a weird miracle. So I'm not surprised at all by all this because this is the direction they've been going in for a while. They believe in the things that they are saying. They believe that. Their game should be for everybody, whoever wants to play them. And this is just them solidifying that as a corporate like mandate as opposed to just a suggestion. Of course, there's a big asterisk here. One, we don't know the extent of this deal. We don't know if this is going to be a case-by-case, game-by-game basis, or if this is going to be a sweeping, everything under the Xbox Game Studios label goes on multiple platforms. We don't know the answer to that question. The other question we don't have the answer to is, will they continue to manufacture the Xbox consoles? I personally think, why not? It's a way where they can make, basically, they the way they can pitch it is, if you want the best Xbox experience with your Game Pass games, get our device. And this allows them to even do the Valve thing and say, we can license the Xbox interface to other things. I was even telling Christy earlier, I'm like, if they're smart, what they do is, hey, Samsung, let's make you a deal. Every Samsung smart TV comes with the Xbox app. Boom. Done. Stream your Xbox games from your Game Pass subscription on your smart TV. Bluetooth with the controller that you can buy. They're still selling hardware. They're mm-hmm. selling the Game Pass subscriptions, and more people can play their shit. This makes sense, and this goes hand in hand with the strategy where they put their games on PlayStation. Because PlayStation then gets to have these experience, but they can still market themselves as, but your best experience with Xbox is on Game Pass. Sony won't let you have Game Pass, but we'll let you have Game Pass. (laughs) Nothing changes for Xbox, I think, beyond the fact that you don't 
have to buy their $400 box if you've already bought Sony's. Right, because it's no longer the one-time purchase of a console. It's, like you said, the subscription right. to yeah. Game Pass. It's the monthly deposit into yeah. their bank account. It's the billion-dollar money-making machine per month of, right. yes, you can have my $15, and I'll take your 15 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 And, like, yeah, that's the way... That Microsoft more or less prints its money on a monthly basis. So if I was a betting man, what I would say happens Which is a in... terrible habit to have, but go yeah, on. No, I, I couldn't be. But if I was, <laughs> uh, this meant meeting, I bet what they'd say is yes, certain Xbox games uh, studios uh, titles will be released for multiple platforms going forward. Two, we're not going to stop making boxes. And three, Look forward to the iOS Game Pass app or game or game store as soon as we can get it out the door. I think that's what this is. I think this is them saying no longer is Xbox a brand for Xboxes and PCs. They're going to try to say Xbox is a brand for everybody. And they're going to pitch, they're going to relaunch the brand as something that everybody can interact with regardless of platform. That's what's going to happen. Do you think that they're going to do the the non-Nintendo thing where in the 80s and 90s, Nintendo put out a massive ad saying not everything is a Nintendo. Yeah. Xbox is going to do the exact opposite and say, yes, put your Xbox on Xbox. everything. Yes, 100%. 100%. You're right. That's what they should do because and this then is you their have, like, Hey, do you have the Xbox? Can you play Xbox? I'll be showing the Xbox. Like yeah. just from your phone to your computer to your TV to yeah. whatever console. Doesn't matter. I want to play with you on Xbox. This has been their philosophy since the Connect. Gaming is for everybody. And this is them finally doing it. I think they just realized why are we fighting a battle against Sony that we lose so badly when we don't need to fight a battle at all? They figured it out. It, they had like the galaxy brain moment where they were like, well, why do we put so much effort into trying to best our competitor when we do not need to? And we can take that stress out of the picture and focus on making our games better because that's been the thing that's been wrong, right? They can't make these games fast enough and up to the quality level they want. All right. So just get out of the battle. So that brings up a great question I'm going to ask here. <laughs> Which was the game that broke the Xbox back? I I want to say it's Starfield. Honestly, I think it's the reaction to Starfield, the lukewarm reception. They probably looked at each other, because this was also after the Redfall debacle. Mm -hmm. The same year, they had to deal with both of these PR nightmares. And I think that, well, honestly, I think that this sims earlier, like I was saying. I think they've always wanted to do this. I just think that they didn't know whether it was going to happen. I think it's that stuff. I also think it's their experience in the the, the lawsuit stuff with uh, the uh, the FCC stuff with the Activision buyout. I think the Activision buyout is a huge part of this. I think all of this stuff, and I think it was all those leaked plans when they leaked. I think that that was internal. They were looking at all of this stuff that they had amassed into a pile, and they were like, we got to rethink all of this. We got to figure out a completely new strategy because if we go on this track forever, 
this is not going to lead us anywhere. And we're going to have generation after generation of people saying, what the hell is wrong with Xbox? Why can't they get their shit together? So last question, because we got to move on. Yeah. <laughs> what is the deal made behind closed doors that Sony has to give up for Xbox uh, to appear? So that's the thing is I don't think they do. Sony is going to be stubborn about this. Like I said earlier, kind of what I hinted at is I think Sony says no to Game Pass on their platform. There's no version of this where like of this where I see uh, the PlayStation division being like, yes, bring your subscription platform to our platform. No way. I think they shut that down. I think they're like, we will put your games on our platform. We will release them as $70 product. Because that's what they believe in. They will not take focus off of their PlayStation subscription service to allow someone else's subscription service in. So I don't think they make any deals here. I think all it is is that Microsoft returns the favor of the show games <laughs> and says Microsoft Game Studios is now a third-party platform uh, publisher that will put games on the PlayStation platform, just like so PlayStation Studios is on the box on the show, even if it's a Game Pass game. I think mm -hmm. it's the same way. Microsoft comes to them as a publisher and not a competitor. All right. Uh, but all this is just talk right now because right. we will find out actual definitive proof next week. Next week. Do we know when that conference is? No, they have not said, and I'm hoping it's before the show on Tuesday. I know. <laughs> if it's not... Chances uh, are two have weeks to, to think on this. They'll have to get it in before the latter half of the week because there's also a huge rumor this week that has not been confirmed yet by Nintendo that a Nintendo Direct is happening on Thursday the 15th. Is that a Pokemon Direct? No. The Pokemon oh. Direct will be later for Pokemon Day, which is in two more weeks, I think. Okay. So yeah. But who knows when it'll be announced there? But they gotta get it this in before that happens. Yep. So yeah. All right. In the meantime, have you been playing anything? No time. <laughs> no time at all. Uh, I did a couple streams. Uh, like I said, uh, Foam Stars this week. All right. Stay tuned to that. In the meantime, we can move on to the second half of the show where we talk about television. And we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. Sports corner. Let me grab the sports corner. Sports graphic. up there, down there, over there. Sports. We start our sports corner with something that is hot, hot breaking news today. So you were the third person to tell me this today. Oh, you were. I was. Okay. You've, yes. you've seen this. Because when I looked, well, at I saw from someone else. I like out to uh, Twitter yeah. X post. I'm like, okay, is that true? And then sent me the variety. Someone sent me the variety article, it's and real. then you sent me the variety article. I was like, okay, it's real. So yes. here's the deal. We've been talking oh, like to death about what sports, what's happening with sports on television. Sports media seems to be all over the place. Different individual companies are making deals to do streaming things. You know, we have the streaming stuff on Max. We have, you know, the collapse of ESPN as a brand. We have just chaos in sports. We have the regional sports stuff happening with Bally. It's all a mess. Well, Fox, Warner Brothers, and Disney have decided it's such a mess that they want to clean it up. And they have united to clean up sports on television by setting to launch a new streaming joint venture that will make all of their sports programming available under a single broadband roof. A move that will put content from ESPN, TNT, and Fox Sports 
on a new standalone app and in the process, likely shake up the world of TV sports. Think Hulu, but for sports. But Disney Hulu Fox has live sports. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Uh, would continue to control rights and the new entity would not create its own content for the service. Instead, it will just be like Hulu before it, original Hulu, uh, before things changed. Yes. Just a receptive, like a like a bowl in which all of the sports go into. So what do we call this entity? Uh, mm, sports Network? Sports Plus. <laughs> Sports Plus, I don't know. Uh, Goal this is Plus. Fascinating. This is fascinating, I think. Points. Points, that's a good name. Score. Exclamation point. Bet. Exclamation point. No, no, no. Nope, nope. Uh, so, Bet okay. Plus. So basically what this means is it will have all the programming, all these sports programming from these entities. So basketball games that air on TNT. Baseball games that air on ESPN, football games that air on Fox, and put them into one service where I presume you can watch them either live or on demand. Um, it will be for a subscription. Um, I do want to note the Variety Story didn't mention this, but the Wall Street Journal version did. They seem convinced that this will be an option, an add-on option to the existing three uh, uh, services, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, and Max. They say that in the future, this will be something you can add on to your existing subscription, but it will also be added, uh, offered as a separate app. I did not see that in the other stories, but somebody said the Wall Street Journal specified that, which makes sense because they want to do the thing that Amazon is doing, which is like you access the Hulu app, but then from the Hulu app, you can go to score or whatever they end up calling it. Right. Um, so yeah. What do you think about this as somebody who watches a lot of sports? Does this simplify your life a little bit? Yes and no, because <laughs> they're living out both uh, Paramount, mm -hmm. which is home to... CBS stuff. One, CBS stuff, but two, yeah. March Madness stuff. Yep. So I can't get any March Madness from there. But two, they're also living out NBC Universal, where mm -hmm. you can't watch any of the Premier League stuff, and you can't watch any of the... Sunday night football stuff when that comes back around in the fall. Now, yes, yeah. that is just one football game, which you're probably going to stream on Peacock, right? Because they're going to push for that. Yeah, but that would be the, also the outliers. It also cuts out the Olympics because that is something mm -hmm. that Peacock has exclusive. Well, right it's now. once every four years, though. Yeah, well, uh, but two, yeah, two uh, years uh, if in you the like Winter Olympics. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> every two years. Yeah. Fine. Be that way. Um, yeah. And obviously it. Doesn't include anything regional. So if you're somebody who right. follows a local team, this doesn't change any of the deals you already have with those special teams, like those those local teams. So it is only for national games, essentially games that would have nationally shown up on these companies' networks. So yeah, I mean, if essentially if this if they somehow get NFL involved in it and put Red Zone on it. <laughs> it would be enough for me to want to cancel Hulu Live TV. Mm -hmm. And actually, no, because I still need to watch award shows somehow. Damn it. Yeah. Screw yeah. you. Screw This, this yeah. is how they oh, get the you, honestly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the most interesting thing here is that on-demand 
being able to choose multiple things airing at the same time thing. I think that's really interesting. If they do, for example, a split screen option where, hey, maybe it's Sunday night and you want to watch a football game at the same time as a basketball game, this still solves potentially solves that problem. Yes, but you do realize that the, all of this has to occur by October when all sports are going at the exact same time for three weeks. I would imagine it will because they say that this is for they say it's this fall year. this year. Yes. So I would imagine this is September launch right in time for, for football, playoff, and baseball, football and for football. I college football. Yep. I think that's what you do. That's the move. Launch this thing in September. Can they do that in five months time? I think so because they already have the stuff. All they have to do is market it because again, they're not creating original content here. They're just literally giving people an alternate. It's a licensing to watch it. Yes. So the last thing, the last big burning question about this, how much will this cost? It seems like people think that it's going to be more than one of these streaming services. So potentially more than $20, but not Mm -hmm. as much as something like red zone MLB TV, the exclusive streaming service, which is so, $70 itself for a year. So, so I saw 30 to 40 around. Yeah. I'd say 29.99 put it at 30. Yeah. Um hopefully they do a deal where like you get 3 years at a flat rate and just I the hell out of it. Would love for them to do some sort of bundle thing and Disney should do this specifically cuz they could put uh, make you a deal and be like you get score Disney Plus Hulu and ES or ESPN bet for like whatever fifty dollars a month or something like that. They could do something like that. I'd, I'd sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you put in bet in there, ESPN <laughs> bet because that's um, gonna be a thing at some point. Well, that's gonna be a thing too, as we've seen with all the betting ads. Does Disney put up the like two hundred fifty dollars, hundred dollars? Place five dollars, get a hundred dollars, and bets thing that you see constantly as the incentive <laughs> to get people to go to ESPN bet. I imagine that that's the way that all this shit has been going. I think absolutely. I think this yeah. thing is covered with betting stuff because it's the only way to recoup that investment. Like I think in a lot of ways to quickly recoup that investment because people want to make those bets and people want to get rich by betting on sports. Yeah. They get rich quick because it's instant. Satisfaction. It's a gratification. I guess this is. I guess that wasn't the last thing because the real last thing I want to say is, it's interesting that we're talking about bet here. Does this cannibalize what they were already planning to do with ESPN Bet, or is ESPN Bet going to be such a different animal that this will not be the same thing? Because I think ESPN Plus becomes ESPN Bet, and whatever this is, yeah, becomes. So you think that they're going to go hard on like original content for Bet, and to differentiate it from whatever this thing is? I think so, because you do a lot of original content for a lot of both betting and fantasy sports. Yeah, I don't know. For all sports. Just like the Microsoft thing, there's a lot of questions here that we haven't answered. So we will Mm -hmm. keep an eye on this story as it develops. And as long as Disney keeps it on ESPN Plus Bet, that is out of this sole entity score, (laughs) that's just streaming rights. Because as that line says there, they will not create its own content for the service. No results. Fascinating. All right. Let's move on to the league headlines here. The NFL headline, of course, is that the NFC won the Pro Bowl again. No, sorry. The real headline is we know our Super Bowl matchup. It is the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. And that will be this Sunday. 
me to watch it on all the networks of CBS, Paramount Plus, NFL Plus, and strictly for the cuties, Nickelodeon. Yes, the Nickelodeon uh, telecast will be all Nickelodeonified. So if you want to have that flavor to your uh, Super Bowl, go for it. You can watch that. Or if you just really want to watch Nate Burleson instead of Tony Romo, go to Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Then, uh, in case you're wondering about uh, how expensive the ads are this year, every 30-second ad will cost $7 million. So get ready to see the dollar signs on the screen. And that's just for the ad placement, not yes. counting how much it takes to both produce and pay for any celebrity actors you have in there. Right. As we know, Usher will be headlining the halftime show with some unannounced special guests. Reba McIntyre will sing our national anthem. Post Malone will sing America the Beautiful. And Andrew Day will sing Lift Every Voice and Sing. And then lastly, the NFL Honors Awards are on Thursday before uh, the big game. So if you care about that, tune in for that as well. We will know who wins the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award on Thursday. We will know who wins the AP MVP Award on Thursday. And the most coveted award of all. You have no idea what I'm going to say, do you? No. Because <laughs> it's none of those. No, it is uh, the Angry Runs Golden Scepter Award. will be <laughs> awarded on Thursday. Okay. So for the angriest run? Angry Runs. For the angriest run of the year. Hell yeah. I love that. Then, um, yeah, and then, of course, next week we will have, uh, you know, in, uh, our thoughts about the Super Bowl, which I'm sure will be plenty. So get ready for that. Yes, both the highs and lows and literally all the betting props that you can make on it. <laughs> yes. Because, yes, we won't go into here, but, yes, you have yes. both squares, probably your local office, uh, <laughs> either your friends doing it, or you also have prop bets of, the time for the national anthem. Panther mm -hmm. Tales. Who's going to score yeah. first? How many times will we show Taylor Swift? Will Travis Kelsey propose? It's <laughs> just all the crazy bets, prop bets that you have out there. Yeah, we'll see. All of that and more uh, we'll talk about next week. Meanwhile, in other sports leagues, of course, the big news for the MLB is that spring training is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers report on Friday. The first spring training game will be the Dodgers versus the Padres on the 22nd of February. The first regular season game will also be the Dodgers and the Padres, but this time in Seoul, Korea, and that will happen on March 20th. Opening day proper will be on March 28th. So, yeah. so reporting on Friday is the Dodgers and Padres because they play both the first game of spring training mm. and they play overseas in Seoul, Korea. So yeah. Or Seoul, uh, South Korea. So yeah, keep an eye on your teams uh, because you have to wrap shit up trading-wise uh, this week uh, because spring training is going to start pretty soon here. You also got to uh, set those um, those batting lineups and looks like Otani's going to be batting third? Yes, batting saw. third in the lineup. Uh, so yep. And he he says he will be there um, for, for the first game. Yep. Um, also, uh, you don't have this here, but I just want to briefly mention... Uh, big MLB news this week. The sale of the Orioles uh, shocked everybody. Um, or I think one something, some ridiculous amount of money. But I don't, uh, nobody saw it coming. It, they went to, uh, they were sold to a private investment firm. Um, and yeah, shocked, shocked the league. 
in the process. Yeah, I did not see that. You didn't see this. Okay. I saw this. Uh, $1.75 billion yes. sale. And they took advantage of that immediately by immediately making big deals. Um, they got some big signing immediately after this news came out. So they are clearly not afraid to spend with making the Orioles an exciting team to watch in 2024. Which they were already an exciting team to watch right. as they're always a bubble team. And yeah. even when they made the playoffs, they were exciting to watch. They so. might be even better this year. So Ooh, prepare yourself. Now they have money behind them. This has also sparked again the, the endless conversation about whether the Angels are going to do something similar. It seems like a rumor hit this week after the Orioles deal landed where people are saying, oh, this is why the Angels haven't been spending money. This is because that they're going to secretly sell the team and surprise the world. Well, again, if they're going to do that, Artie's got to do it before Friday. <laughs> I do not think he does. Uh, I'm not getting that kind of vibe. But I saw Mark Cuban's name thrown out into the rumor sphere, and I'm like, that's not happening, guys. Well, that because he just sold a piece of the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, and so everybody thinks it's like, oh, well, this is preparing for him to buy a big sports team. But he'd buy a Texas team. He'd buy the... I know. Uh, it doesn't well, make any sense. the Astros, but the Rangers most likely. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. I don't think it's, it's going to happen. I think we're destined to suffer through another team, another year with this team that we have. All right. Well, I don't want to think about that. What else happened? Yeah. Let's move on to the NBA, which had their All-Star Weekend Skills Competition Slam Dunk Contest, three-point contest and celebrity game uh, coming up soon. The celebrity game will take place on a full video LED court, which sounds fascinating to watch. The All-Star game itself will remain on a wooden one. <laughs> I sounds like fascinating until they start throwing ads everywhere oh is the, you think it's just going to be a giant ad underneath them? how is it you not going to be a giant ad screen here's my question are they going to play on top of a giant trailer for madam web <laughs> don't be surprised if that's <laughs> what happens if they're doing three-point shots and all of a sudden in the key you see a trailer yeah. playing for madam web while yeah. he's trying to take a shot like wow made it from dakota johnson's nose <laughs> anyways um, so yeah, uh, that's the big yeah. NBA news. Uh, get ready for All Star stuff. Yes, uh, the LED floor will only will not be for the actual All Star game. That will still be a wooden floor. Right. Um, this is just a promo for what could be. Mm-hmm. Not that this is coming to the NBA anytime soon. Although Steve Ballmer and the Clippers do have that new uh, arena uh, opening up this August. So. Yeah. Makes you think. If he wants more money, which I probably does, it's just a really good way to make more money in air space. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out how they use that. Yep. All right. In the meantime, the NHL just had their All-Star weekend. Their recap. Connor McDavid won the skill contest and won a $1 million payout. Congratulations. Congratulations. The All-Star game was won by team Justin Bieber with Austin Matthews, TML. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, thank you. And tonight, as you hinted last week, the Oilers and the Golden Knights face off tonight to win to tie that win streak record for the Oilers. So if they can beat the Golden Knights, they tie the win streak record of all time. Correct. Yeah, they are one shy of tying the record. As I said last week, if they win tonight, they have a smooth sailing to to. Crash that record because they play the Ducks and the Kings next yes. in their West Coast trip. 
So it could happen, but it has to happen tonight to continue that streak. So all eyes will be glued, I'm sure. Yep, it's got the primetime ESPN slot tonight. Yep. And then lastly, we have in college sports, the College Football Playoff Management Committee is meeting in Dallas to work on the details of implementing a 12-team playoff for this fall. We knew this was coming. We talked about it last January, actually, when they announced that they were going to do a 12-team playoff. They were going to expand it. Uh, This is them finalizing what that actually looked like, especially with the realignment with the uh, Big 12 and Big 10, with the Pac-12 dissolution, more or less. What does that look like for a college football playoff? For football only, you know, because screw all the other NCAA sports out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, in sports news, uh, the clash at the Coliseum happened for NASCAR this past week. Uh, it actually happened on Saturday and on Sunday because of the of the impending rain downstorm coming. Right. Yes, uh, that didn't hit until Monday, but mm-hmm. because they were that would hit on Sunday. And they need to get their truck out of there. They said moved it up a day. And Denny Hamlin ended up winning the clash at the Coliseum ahead of the start of the NASCAR season, which is Daytona, in a couple of weeks. Fair enough. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm going to be careful about how I talk about it. But I don't know if you saw, speaking of uh, going back to really briefly to college athlete athletics, there was some sort of confirmation from one of the schools about referring to the uh, the athletes as employees instead of students. That may be set precedent going forward with how continuing kind of the conversation about paid college athletes. Again, I didn't see exactly what this was, but I thought that you may have noticed. Uh, are you talking about the uh, Dartmouth men's basketball? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've decided that Dartmouth basketball players are considered to be labeled employees of the school. Yeah, it seems like people are... the Well, I saw one, one thing about this is I saw a lot of the players' unions of the professional leagues make statements about this to basically say how they felt about it, <laughs> which means that, yeah, this is already being seen as, like, other schools could follow suit. Uh okay. So it's an NLBR, NLRB mm-hmm. ruling, mm-hmm. Um, presumably because, so they could form a union if yeah. they consider themselves to be employees. Right, right. It's interesting. This could be another step into ultimately what's going to happen here where we start thinking about college athletics in a different light. I don't know. I thought you'd be fascinated by that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quickly like skimming some of the art, an article here. Yeah. Um, okay, so the players filed a petition seeking to be recognized as a union, mm-hmm. but you can't be recognized as a union if you're not considered an employee. Yes. So for Dartmouth, they're saying, yes, you are an employee. Therefore, if we can label you as an employee, then you can go forward as a un- for, with a union. Yeah. Hmm. You know what they should do? To get all the basketball players together across all the colleges to form <laughs> one giant national collegiate athletic union, mm-hmm. and then get the football players involved to, to also be part of this union. Then get all the baseball players, all the mm-hmm. water polo players, all the golf players, mm-hmm. all the athletic sports players 
to form a national collegiate athletic union and govern themselves <laughs> and make a deal with the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be associated with them. They want to be <laughs> unionized under the association. And then, wait, hold on. Have I just created the NCAA all over again? You might have. With extra you, steps. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. But no, obviously this is going to be like probably organization by organization. They're going to have to feel this out. But ultimately, I think this is part of this transition that we've already been seeing seeds of um, to just them getting paid. Because honestly, just let them get paid. Anyway. It's either get paid, pay them, or use the money that goes to these schools for the damn schools and not right. the coaches. Yes. You can't exactly. be an assistant coach and get paid way more yeah. than anyone else in the school yeah ridiculous hopefully they, yeah hopefully they figure that stuff out let's move on or, any know, other sports salary caps those yeah. work right Maybe. oh no because you have a salary cap then you have to say that you're a, a non-sport yeah. okay yeah. where's that sports podcast we were talking about doing again yeah we should <laughs> maybe talk about that anyways if that's it for sports we can officially move on to some television news all right hey uh you like kunk? Like in my teeth? <laughs> well, if you liked... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I expect that. No, I didn't expect that one. <laughs> if you liked Kunk on Earth, the BBC production that premiered here on Netflix, then I've got good news for you. There'll be more kunk. More kunk than ever before. BBC Two will be broadcasting Kunk's Quest for Meaning, a one-off 75-minute special in which Diane Morgan will reprise her role as Philomena Kunk to try to discover the meaning of life. Quote, following the global success of Kunk on Earth, pioneering documentary maker Philomena Kunk, Diane Morgan, returns with her most ambitious quest to date, venturing right up to the universe and everything to find the definitive answer to the ultimate question, the meaning of life. End quote. Kunk's quest for meaning will debut on BBC Two and BBC iPlayer later this year, and on Netflix, outside of the UK and Ireland. I am looking forward to this. I had fun watching uh, Kunk on Earth. Uh, I liked the humor that was produced with it, uh, both taking a jab at just documenting filmmaking in itself and the loose, weird connections that people often make when names kind of like are <laughs> similar across history. It's like, wait, is this just this? No, they just have to have the same name. There's nothing uh, consistency about it. Or <laughs> like this band took their name from this piece of uh, history, but there is that that's the only connection. Not that the band made the history for it. Right, right, right. I haven't gotten to uh, it. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I should I should eventually get to that one. It's that kind of humor though. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of like wordplay and stuff and uh, like quick hits and jabs. Uh, but yeah, I I liked Kunk on Earth. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm looking forward to possibly even more Kunk mm-hmm. uh, past this one-off special. But yeah, if yes. you like Kunk on Earth, send five more minutes of Kunk coming to you. More, more Kunk. More Kunk than ever before. Let's move off of the Kunk, Get though. Kunked. Talk about some other television that you watched. Uh, so we both finished this one. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians wrapped up its first season. The story yeah. told in the first book is over. And we're ready to move on to the other books. Um, how'd you feel about how they landed this one? 
So coming into this, I didn't read the books. Mm-hmm. My only knowledge of Percy Jackson Olympians is from the movie yeah. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was called. I think that's what that was called. Because that's what the first book was called. Like, uh, yes. Yes. Um. So I think it was a slow rollout for me, but that's also because it's a TV series. Um. That's also kind of why, like, I watched the first episode, wasn't that, like, into it, like, waiting for it to get going. But after the first two episodes, they finally got out of camp and started on their quest and finally got going. I'm like, okay, I'm liking this. I'm liking where this is going. I don't think I would have liked it watching it as a weekly basis, waiting for new episodes to come out. I did like just waiting for it to just all appear at once and then binging it. Um I think that's more of my take on it, that it's more of a bingeable show than a week-to-week show, as some other uh, shows out there that kind of more like feel for it than just binging. Uh, but as for a show itself, I like the production. I liked the um, the graphics, and I did really like the... They took their time with it. It felt more of a journey with it. I like the pacing over, and I can see once they got concluded where the movie took out a huge chunk uh, that probably was in the books, and but was kept in as part of uh, the the, uh, the TV series. Yeah. It was interesting have, having Christy there with me watching this because she had just reread the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, so she was telling me all the little differences between the scenes and stuff. So yeah, I kind of got that experience as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I agree with you. Um, that the uh, it, I was mostly impressed with just the production value on this thing. It seems like they really budgeted correctly, um, and yeah, it looked looked fine. I didn't have any issues with how it looked. It didn't look too green screeny for me, even in the really green screeny finale. Um, I thought that it did a pretty good job at what it was trying to do, and it seems like a pretty faithful adaptation of the material. Um, I actually did kind of enjoy doing it on a week to week basis, though. I will say, um, having no context. It was just enough of a drip feed for me to be like, yeah, I'm ready to find out what happened. I, I am wondering about a couple questions about last week. Yeah, let's do it. I didn't really feel like it was a, just a binging show. But also, I'm not that much of a binging person. Outside of watching all of season two of The Bear in one, uh, one day, I don't usually do that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm totally fine with things being on a weekly basis. I think because I've been watching a lot of those, like, teen shows on Disney Plus, um, like Secret Sulphur Springs, like the uh National Treasure uh show that came out, uh that and well what's the one? The uh Dr. Kamealoha. Uh that because several of those shows were here's like four episodes that you can binge on all at once. Here's the other four episodes that I think that's why when I came to this I was kind of in that mindset of, okay, I'm just going to, like, it's a binge-worthy show, not mm-hmm, yeah. episodic. I guess it just depends on how, like, you'd rather fit these shows into your into your schedule. Like, mm-hmm. whether or not you have the time to carve out for weekly shows, or if you just want to, I have the time right now, I need to watch as many of these kind of shotgun blast as I can. Yeah. Now, what I did appreciate is that it seems like they put in a lot of stuff from the future books. Mm-hmm. sprinkled into here into this season be like hey we're gonna plant the seeds here because we're we want to get to it later right uh like the um 
like where is Pan? Like the uh the mother daughter uh Athena drama that's going on there as well. It's like mm-hmm. we're gonna plant these seeds. We may get to them in the future. We'd like to get to them. I think they're there in the book. I don't know. I haven't read them, but at least like we'll plant them now, and so we can pay them off later. So I think I like that because the seeds are there in the books that they took the time and put them in here in the in uh, the show as well. Yeah, yeah. So good news is that there is more to come. We will get future episodes of the show, presuming. I mean, there's no way that they don't, right? We don't get another season of this. Nothing has been confirmed, but uh, Rick Rorden is behind it. So if he's up for another season, which I'm sure he is. I'm sure they'll do uh, it. They got to film it fast, though, because kids grow up fast. True. All right, let's move on. You also watch something about NASCAR called Full Speed. What is going on here? Yeah, so uh, Netflix sports documentaries, NASCAR. Full Speed covers the playoffs from the previous season. Uh-huh. Um, we watched it because we knew who won. It was one of our, not one of my favorite drivers, but one of Doctor's favorite drivers in Ryan Blaney, who won. She was a Blaneyac and one of Blaney's ladies. <laughs> uh, so we, because we knew that he would win, we wanted to see the uh, behind the scenes of it. And he wasn't in it for the first two episodes. And we're like, what is going on? Because when they do these documentaries, they kind of pick four drivers that they want to focus on or like who want to participate that they think might win the championship. But as it goes on, once they see the field actually starts to dwindle, then they kind of like go back and be like, okay, now that we know that this person's doing well, we need to focus on this person more. Uh, but it was very much a Denny Hamlin, speaking of Denny Hamlin, who just won, <laughs> yeah. uh, production as he was firm and centered, not just because he was in the playoffs, but also because he was a racer and co-owner of 2311 uh, track team. Mm-hmm. His co-owner production with uh, Michael Jordan, hence the 23 part. And he has the 11 car, hence the 11 part. Uh, and how he handles, the first couple of episodes are about how he handles being both a driver and an owner. Like, I want him to do good because he's my driver, but also I want to win the championship because I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like that dual stuff. But it's a quick six episodes. goes by fast. If you like NASCAR, watch it. It definitely got us hyped for the upcoming NASCAR season, which starts in two weeks at Daytona. Um, so yeah, if you like NASCAR and you or you like those uh, Netflix sports documentaries, NASCAR full speed. All right, put that on the list there. Yep. Right, what else do we got going on here? Uh, you just added something quickly. You watched the first episode of Amazon's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes, this premiered on Friday on the second. Um, I'll just be real brief about it because. I've only watched the first episode. Uh, this is with uh, Maya Erskine and Donald Glover, where they are spies? <laughs> Question mark. Yes, right? Because they don't like flat out say that they're spies, but they work for a secret organization. And it's not like they work for, uh, like in the movie, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where there's one Jane organization and one john organization and they just happen to be married to each other (laughs) no here they know they work for the same organization they basically kind of working like and um the americans from fx 
tandem where they know they're both spies. They're uh-huh. both in this together, both in the same company together, and they're both looking working to complete the same mission together. Um, so people who are going into it expecting a movie version, mm-hmm. uh, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Mr. And Mrs. Smith version here. No, not going to get that. No, no, this <laughs> not is not the same. Setting. This is not the same thing. This is kind of like what would be post that of we know that they're the same organization. We know they're going to get into some questionable hijinks, kind of will they, won't they? Are they in this for the mission? Or are they in this for love kind of thing um, going forward? So, first up, actually, I think I looked ahead. All episodes are up. All eight episodes are up right now. You can binge it if you want. I only got through the first episode, so I'll probably have my full thoughts on it next week. All right. Look forward to that. Yeah, I saw that the differences between the movie and this, and I was like, that seems like a weird choice, but maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's to realign because they have to have like longer character arcs or something like for Mm -hmm. a television series. Interesting nonetheless. All right. If that's all we've been watching, we already talked about the Grammys earlier, so we can skip that. Let's go yep. right into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? I can't find the the little thingy for this, so I'll just go straight to it. Uh, we are no longer watching Obliterated on Netflix because it was obliterated after just one season. You're also not watching Ratchet on netflix as well after one season because it's been canceled by the way that came that first season was four years ago <laughs> i don't know why it took them so long to make a decision about that i'm not sure why either um yeah. i mean covid probably <laughs> yeah maybe right it's gotta be um hijack on apple tv plus hijack. no no not hijack this is the uh <laughs> uh idris elba Right. I'm on a plane that got hijacked. Has been so renewed. Apparently, yeah, he's going to be yeah. on another plane that gets hijacked. Yeah, I guess so. Renewed for a second season on Apple TV Plus, and then Colin Keep that from man Accounts. Off planes. Right. Then Colin from Accounts on Paramount Plus will get a second season as well. Then lastly, Dreaming Whilst Black will get a second season on Showtime. Technically, Dreaming Whilst Black is a BBC show, uh-huh. but they just aired on Showtime here. Got it. We have a handful of deaths to get through. Some really wild ones, rough ones this week, too. Uh, Let's go through them. First, we have Mark Gustafson, age 64, was an animator on shows such as The PJs and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Also, the director of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, Oscar winner back in 2022. Or Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This is the same thing with uh, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. It's Tim Burton did not direct Nightmare Before Christmas. Same way as Guillermo del Toro did not direct Pinocchio. That's true. That's confusing the, to name it then that way. <laughs> but what do you you know, so, it was to differentiate from the two other Pinocchio projects that came out that same year. <laughs> and one was even from Disney. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we also had this week Carl Weathers, age 76. Actor, of course, from Rocky, Predator, Happy Gilmore, The Mandalorian. Also a scene-stealing um, a, a guest appear- guest role in Arrested Development, uh, which everybody uh, remembers uh, who watched that show. 
Yeah, definitely an icon. He will be remembered for one of the most memorable handshakes in film history, uh, as long as just endless, just quotable quotes from his whole career. Just what a guy. What a guy, Carl Weathers. He was Apollo Creed. He, he was. He beat Rocky. He won that fight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he was Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Um, he was in The Mandalorian. He's even more recent, most recently, in the Gronk uh, Kick of Destiny ads for mm -hmm. FanDuel for the Super Bowl. All right. Now, yes. I did read this up on this. They will continue to have him in the ads leading up to it because uh, okay. he rolls later this week. They did ask the family of uh, what they would want of Mr. Brothers, what they wanted to do with it, and they did tweak some stuff uh, because of his passing, but for the most part, it will continue on. Uh, but okay. yeah, he's he was in those ads. Yeah. It's It's coming up. Uh, but yeah, just a great, well-known actor. You obviously recognize him, his voice, his appearance, his mannerisms. Just Yeah, for sure. What icon of cinema. What a guy. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we lost today Toby Keith, age 62, country singer, famous for country hits such as Should Have Been a Cowboy, Red Solo Cup, Beer for My Horses, As Good As I Once Was. Oh, yeah, and the song that he released after 9-11 that said that putting a boot in their ass is the American way. Um, I have mixed feelings about Toby Keith. Uh, growing up, listening to a lot of uh, country music in the household, there were some Toby Keith songs that I was like, yeah, this is fun. This is a catchy song. He's a decent songwriter. He's a decent performer. A lot of people liked him. But... Every time I think about him now, I just think of how much he made the lives of Natalie Maines and the rest of the chicks uh, a living hell after their statements about George Bush. And it just just makes me have this bitter memory of the guy. Um, so we, we did know that he had uh, cancer as of 2022, I believe, mm -hmm. July of 22. He uh, announced that. So we knew that this was coming um, at some point, unless, you know, a recovery had been made. Didn't look like a recovery was made. Obviously, you know, I hope the fam his family and friends are okay, but uh, he leaves behind a complicated legacy. And um, yeah, it's just hard to uh, for me to celebrate him when he was so outspoken about stuff that honestly, it didn't seem like he knew what he was talking about. I mean, he was a country megastar, one of the very yeah. few that stretched uh, not outside of yes. the country genre itself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like you said, that uh, was it the uh, American Red, White, and Blue song, right? Right, post right. Eleven, um, Red Solo Cup, classic song. My <laughs> horses, uh, just a staple of the country music genre, for sure. Absolutely, uh, his music has been playing in this house all day because of it. Ah, uh, well, like I said, um. It's fine. Uh, I get it. I get it, is what I'll say. I just have complicated feelings about that stuff. It was very difficult already to be a woman in country music uh, when the chicks were at their peak. And just the stuff that he would you know, say about Natalie, especially the stuff that he would project in the back of his concerts at the time. He just made a big show out of how much he hated them and how much he hated what they had said. That it just, I don't know, it just exacerbated a wound that was still fresh, I think. And 
it just yeah it just seems like a really messed up thing for a guy to do is all i'm saying um so yeah i don't know but yes we'll always have red solo cup <laughs> anyway it's... let's move on out of the deaths and into the movies section and we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers your number one movie defying the awful reviews is matthew vaughn's argyle uh, which is made $17 million in its debut um, and is definitely not written by Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, it is not. I did dig up that review. Uh, sorry, not the review. Article uh, that of Christie was referencing, and I read it. Apparently, Matthew Vaughn himself had to make a statement about it, being like, no, I don't know who wrote. I don't, I've never met the author in person, but I can tell you it is not Taylor. <laughs> anyway, uh, number two, The Chosen. Season, wait, what? The Chosen, yep. what? What are we yep. doing here? The Chosen yep. Season 4, Episodes 1 through 3? Yep. You're not going to tell me why this is called this? Is this a television show? What's happening here? Uh, apparently, it's a triple billing. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's uh, a fan <laughs> events thing. I don't know. I, I want to say it's a religious thing. Sure. Well, that made uh, $5.9 million this week out of a $7 million total so far. I don't know. Number three, The Beekeeper made $5.2 million this week. That's at $49 million domestic. Number four, Wonka with another four point six. It did it. It crossed the $200 million landmark. So Wonka, I think they're going to make another one of those. I'm just going to assume here. I think it did pretty well. I don't know, it depends if they up. can get Timothy Chalamet to be in yeah, it again. I think, I think so. And then rounding out your top five, Migration with another $4.1 million. Easily over that 100 hump at $106 million. So yeah, go. I was right, yes. The historical Christian drama series had a premiere, ah. season four premiere, that of makes. the first three episodes on a Fathom Events. So yeah, that's why. Got it. In the meantime, the next, uh, uh, the new, re only new release this week is actually an old movie. It's not even a new movie. Disney has been is, uh, as you mentioned a few shows ago, is planning on re-releasing in theaters some films that did not get their theater shine the first time, including this week's *Turning Red*, which will be uh, debuting in theaters after having its first run be exclusively on Disney Plus. Uh, there is also another film called Lisa Frankenstein that may or may not be in a theater near you. It right. says wide release, but I am questioning it. All right. So look at your local listings, as they used to say. And then, uh, yeah, that'll do it for new releases. You'll have to wait until next week for Dakota Johnson's nose. Uh, you know, oh. Yes. Yeah, no, we'll do that next week because there's technically Wednesday releases for Valentine's Day. But we'll record yeah. before that. We do. Indeed. All right. Let's move into some movie news. And we got some uh, assortive bits for you this week. Some news coming down the movie pipe. I love a big movie pipe. And sometimes, you know, the movies are too thick. And the little pipes that they give you is not big enough. You need the big movie pipe to really suck in all the movie news. Hey, Bob Marley comes out next week. <laughs> it's more like a movie hookah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about movie stuff coming in uh, the news this week. We start with Quentin Tarantino, who will be reuniting with Brad Pitt in the director's final film, The Movie Critic. 
though it seems unclear if Pitt will play the title character. Last time these two worked together, Pitt won Best Supporting Actor for 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood after starring in the lead role before that of Inglorious Bastards. So, makes sense that he's teaming up with Brad Pitt again. Seems to be a bit of a lucky charm for him. And, uh, yeah, interesting to see a movie about a movie critic. Uh, fascinating uh, angle to take, I think. Uh, from the brief synopsis that Tarantino gave a couple years ago when he was talking about his final movie, it is set in the 1977 of a movie critic, um, apparently based off his own life, where he would read a porno mag, but not <laughs> for the porn, for a movie critic's take on it. Aha, uh -huh, see. Interesting. Because, you know, all the best articles are in yeah. porno mags. It's true. I only read them for the articles. So does Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and the feet, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's where you find the articles, down at the find? bottom, down where the, the feet are. So the feet are just there. They just happen to be there, really. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> and thus we've solved Quentin Tarantino's fascination. Yes, feet. exactly. We solved it. We truly did, just now. Um, we really got to the bottom of that one. Or to its soul, if you will. Let's move on. Um, I think Jim Carrey is in the news this week. Famously a man who says he doesn't like to do film sequels. Well, he's doing another one because he will reprise his role as Dr. Robotnik in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. This news comes despite the fact that, spoiler alert for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the second film in the series ended with Dr. Robotnik falling from a giant robot to the ground below. In the film's post credit scene, however, it is revealed that Dr. Robotnik's body has not been found, setting the stage for Sonic's main antagonist to make a dramatic return. We have also seen some early footage of the film in the first trailer, and Sonic Adventure 2 fans rejoice! It seems like a lot of elements from that game's plot will be in this film, uh, including, of course, Shadow the Hedgehog, everybody's favorite hedgehog with a gun. Yes, my canon take of what they're going to do is that as Dr. Robotnik is falling off the robot, a ring portal, as that mm -hmm. is established in this canon universe, mm -hmm. opens up in front of mm -hmm. them and saves him right before he meets his ultimate demise. I could see it. I could see it. I have, not, I have not seen these movies. I don't have much nostalgia for Sonic, especially not Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> uh, I don't think that game is very good. Again, just like the Miley fans come at me, I can take it. Um, but I will say that apparently like the little news bit I saw today that tickled me the most is the singer from the band Crush 40, famous for playing the song City Escape in the level of the same name that opens Sonic Adventure 2, seems to hint that the song is featured in some capacity in the film. So get ready, uh, fans <laughs> of Crush 40. Millennials everywhere are probably very thrilled about this. Moving on. I, uh, I haven't watched any Sonic movies since they changed Sonic's face. Well... I'm sorry. Let's move on. We already talked about Donald Glover a little bit when we talked about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but he's back here confirming that the Community script for a film based on Community has been completed. It has been in the works since Peacock made the announcement that it existed back in 2022. So will we get the Community movie finally? We got six, technically seven seasons. Yeah. Um, the movie has been written, apparently, and I guess approved by uh, by Peacock NBC yeah. executives yeah. to say, "Hey, we you can go ahead with the script." And so they sent out to the actors. 
So there you go. Yeah. Again, uh, on the red carpet for Mr. And Mrs. Smith yeah. said yes, because he always gets asked about it. That mm -hmm. the script has been completed, not done, Definitely. not working on it, completed. It's a go now. There you go. So look forward to now that. Now, can they afford Donald Glover's salary to reappear? Yeah, probably. I mean, if yeah. he's creatively involved, he probably has to be in it. Uh, yeah. The real question is: is do they pretend Chevy Chase doesn't exist? They should. Well, they the answer killed to that Chevy be. Chase off in the series. Yeah, so. Don't just. We're we're done. Just don't even reference him. All right. Uh, then lastly in the bits here, we talked about Matthew Vaughn as his movie Argyle was number one at the box office this week, despite its critical reception. Well, he's back in the news this week, working on and expanding the Kick-Ass franchise. Apparently he's been working on this for a, oh, quite a while here. There will be a new trilogy, starting with School Fight, releasing later this year, then Vram, which is currently being filmed, and ending with a new kick-ass movie in the main series. Uh, who cares? So, kick-ass itself came out 10, 12 yeah. years ago? Roughly, yeah. Roughly. Um, so, this new trilogy is both a sequel, but also a reboot, but also kind of a reinterpreting <laughs> of that film, of that series in a very meta-contextual way for this new trilogy. And what I'm if, I'm... if I'm picking up the pieces that he's laying down for this breadcrumb, it's that <laughs> some kid picks up and watches Kick-Ass, the movie that Matthew Vaughn directed, <laughs> and says, hey, I want to stop being a bully. Or I want to stop being bullied. And this kid did it in the movie, so I can do it. Thus, school fight but then like he continues on with wanting to kick people's ass like kick ass in the film and uh -huh. thus takes the wrong messages from said kick ass film much like uh the r-rated movies that followed after it mm -hmm. comic movies after it of like oh we just want violence and explosions that's what that's what people like about kick ass right and so the Meta contextual continues then with Rom ultimately ending in a kick ass movie. Not the movie will be kick ass, but title <laughs> kick ass the movie. I don't know 2028. It seems like a lot of to do over a franchise that most people forgot even existed. Uh, except Aaron Taylor just... Johnson, yeah, but it, it's what really is happening here is just Matthew Vaughn just like sad that nothing else really has clicked for him outside of um, the Kingsman for a while. Like this, that's the only thing that just strikes me as is like he's like, well, let me play with my old toys because no one likes the new ones. <laughs> I just don't. You, think you're telling me that he cool. went back to his IP well and be like, yeah. hey, people liked when I was this good. It certainly seems like that. Yeah, it just yeah. like seems to be that he's trying to recapture some sort of, you know, old vibe that I just don't think exists anymore. All right. Uh, we have some movies to talk about. We do. Oh, a packed show. Yeah, I'll be brief because uh, we went long on a, a lot of other stuff. Um, I'll be brief on mine as well. Yeah, so uh, I want to know about Orion in the Dark first. Uh, we saw, I saw this on a, on the streaming services and was curious about it. Uh, but did not uh, pull the trigger on it. What's going on here? It's a Netflix show or movie. Um, 
it's it's a weird movie because it plays fast and loose with its own story where it's it opens up as hi i'm orion and i'm afraid of the dark mm. very bare bones like okay yes we get it like this is a be a, a story about a kid and overcoming his fear of darkness cool <laughs> and then it gets weird because 30 minutes into the movie it hard cuts out of the story it's telling mm -hmm. and actually it's not a movie about orion telling about how he's afraid of the dark mm -hmm. it's about a dad named orion telling his daughter about how he conquered his fear of being in the dark and so for the rest of the movie one you have to completely forget about what was established before that because now you have to think about it in a new way of it's just this dad making up the story as he goes <laughs> but also that because he's making it up as he goes everything coming after it is just utter chaotic bullshit of don't think about it too hard i'm literally making this story up as i go yeah um ultimately it end caps with sun and light defeating the darkness and therefore you don't have to be afraid of the dark because it no longer exists. <laughs> but then you then it gets to the consequences of well, if there's only sun, then everyone's awake, and then everyone gets grumpy and everyone gets angry because no one can sleep because there's always light and mm -hmm. darkness no longer exists. So it's like, oh, ultimately we do need dark because we need to sleep, because no one can sleep without darkness. Mm -hmm. So it ultimately comes to the story about like, oh, yes, you can be scared of the dark. But also, the dark serves a good purpose. Uh, you can't always have light. There's a reason that they have a balance of the light and the darkness. It really flows between wanting to establish that that is the story it wants to tell, and also, at times, failing to get that across of, we're going to hammer you over the head with this, but also not be that subtle that we, as we want to be. Hmm. And the yeah. weird tonal shift in the middle of it really like threw me for a loop of like, wait, did I miss something that this was supposed to be a story of a dad telling to his child? Or am I just like, no, he's just completely making this up as we go. So it, want, it the, wants to play with like the movie storytelling tropes, but then also falls right back into movie storytelling tropes. It's like, yeah. It's kind of like how DreamWorks does, where it's like, oh no, it's not like this this movie that you've seen time and time again. It's something completely different. Until we get to the end, where yeah. it has to follow the the tropes of everyone wins. Yeah. So is is it like is the rest of it uh, worth checking out? Like you know my taste on this stuff. Is it? It's a is, fun kids movie. Um, yeah. If you have a kid who's is afraid of the dark. <laughs> I think it's a fun movie to, for them to watch to be like, hey, there's nothing to be scared of. Right, yeah. But Lessons other than that, works. yeah, it's it's a lesson movie, but yeah, less is more. Interesting. Okay. Um, speaking of less is more, uh, I watched Best Picture nominee Past Lives, and I wish I could go longer on this, but I know I can't. I have two minutes. Just so when I need to watch it then. Yes. So what I will say is I recommend it. You should check this out. It's on Paramount Plus Showtime. Okay. So if you want to get like a one month subscription or a week trial, that's the best way to do it right now. I recommend that, especially maybe it'll make watching the Super Bowl easier. 
<laughs> AKA, I'm telling you, this is what we did. Uh, okay. <laughs> we watched, you got it for the Grammys, Super Bowl, and for past lives. Uh, for, anyway. for your one week trial, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so we did that. Uh, but yeah, I re wholeheartedly recommend it. It's a beautiful movie, uh, great imagery, wonderful cinematography, a sweet script about a, a like about a very relatable thing about the kind of relationships that come in and out of your life. Like somebody you haven't seen for a while, you meet back up, you catch up, talk about what that meant to you, whether you still want to see this person again, that kind of thing. It's very touching. It's very sweet. It's very sad, but in a very good way. Um, absolute recommend if I was to redo, if I'd seen this in 2023, it may probably been, uh, it probably would have bested, uh, Barbie, uh, easily Ooh, is, okay. is where I'm at with this thing. It's, it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's great. Well deserving of an Oscar nom then. I believe so. And I think this will be your original, uh, screenplay winner. Oh, okay. My call. All right. Call it right now. But unfortunately, well, that's all that, the time we have. We'll call it here. Yes, that's all the time we have today. So thank you for watching the Media Boat podcast today. We are going to be doing another show on Tuesday next week. But after that, the day may change. So watch next week's show to determine where our regular schedule will change. But in the meantime, next Tuesday, we'll be back on YouTube. Search YouTube for Media Boat podcast for our channel there. Like, subscribe. Click the bell for notifications when new videos go live. You can also listen to us audio form in your ear holes if you subscribe to us on a podcast service such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. You can also find us website, mediaboatpodcast.com. Twitch.tv slash mediaboat is where you can find Mike playing some foam stars coming up very soon. Uh, media uh, boat at mediaboatcast is what our handle is on Twitter slash X. Uh, Blue Sky just opened up for everybody today. I got a personal account. I may sign us up for a media vote account as well, uh, maybe tomorrow. So that way we can finally get off X for good. Uh, so looking forward to that. It's hey, a just very send an e cool... Just send a, an invite to the address. Well, there's, there's, yeah. You don't need invites anymore. You can just sign up. So oh, okay. that's what I'm saying. That's why I got there. one today. <laughs> so feel free to check it out. I really like it so far. It seems very clean and bot free. Um, and then yes, uh, if you want, lastly, if you want to email us, uh, uh, questions, comments about the show, feel free to do so at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we wrap up today's show and next, and look forward to next week. We'll have Super Bowl thoughts among other things. So tune in next time for all that and more. All right. Uh, we'll be back with more news, more thoughts, um, maybe some more wrap up of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and maybe we'll get into whatever Blue Sky is. Right. And maybe some more Best Picture words, because I swear I will watch them. <laughs> and we'll find out who wins the Super Bowl, I guess. All right. Sounds good. All right. See you then. Go Kansas City Swifties. Okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>